This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Justine Lee, and I'm a board-certified emergency critical care veterinary specialist and toxicologist. Thanks for joining us. Today, I'm really excited. We're going to be speaking with pet guru Arden Moore of the radio show on Pet Life Radio, Behave. We'll be right back after these messages. As a veterinarian, I want you to keep your dog as healthy and happy as possible. That's why I'm a huge advocate of Rockwell's Pets Pro Probiotics. Probiotics are used to help stabilize and strengthen the intestinal flora. They have a lot of positive effects on the entire body system. Simply sprinkle the desired amount on your dog's food and it can help boost the immune system, treat diarrhea and constipation, restore gut health, and lower cholesterol levels. Plus, it's vet recommended, made in the U.S., and comes with a money-back guarantee. For more information, go to rockwellpetspro.com. That's rockwellpetspro.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. So excited to speak with Arden Moore, who's the host of Obehave and knows about all things furry family related. Arden, thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, it's so great to be here, Dr. Justine. So I'm really excited to be able to team up with you. I've been wanting to talk to you for a while. Just so our audience knows who you are, do you mind just giving us a little bit of background about who you are, who's in your household, and all about your radio show? Well, I think it's fitting. My last name is Moore because I do a lot in the pet world. And one of the things I'm most passionate about is being a master in pet first aid and CPR instructor. And I am so lucky because I get to work with board certified ER veterinarians and we teach veterinary approved pet first aid and CPR and different tiers. We teach a two-day instructor program with ProPet Health. I teach customized for pet professionals like uh, pet sitters and boarding staff. I also teach first responders. And then we do a tier that's a little bit less but more fun, which is for the pet parent when so we can get them because I think learning pet first aid is probably one of the best things you could ever do for your pets. In addition, I have very strong typing fingers. I've written more than two dozen dog and cat books. I write for Dogster and Catster. And of course, I'm very happy that Mark Winner, our mutual executive producer of Pet Life Radio, he invited me in 2007 to start something called a podcast. <laughs> I'm like, what? So I'm a journalist. I spent 20 years as an investigative reporter. And he asked me to host Obehave, and we are now the longest continuously running pet podcast on the planet. And hopefully he won't get mad. I hope I didn't pop any peas. I have a furry Brady bunch of three dogs and four cats, plus our outdoor cat, Baxter, a community cat. 
And I'm just jazzed to be on your show. I'm known as America's pet health and safety coach. I am not double certified in critical care, emergency, or hell no, toxicology. But more importantly, you help educate pet owners on the importance of CPR. And I will say, you know, I authored two books, gosh, almost 10 years ago. Kudos to you how many books you've written, because most people don't realize how much work goes into writing a book. So do you mind just giving us a little bit of background? First of all, because you have so many books, what are your top one or two books that you've written? Well, I'm super excited that one of my books, I think I have it right here. Yeah. It just won for the Dog Writers Association of America's contest for kids, children's book. It's called A Kid's Guide to Dogs. I did A Kid's Guide to Cats too. And I loved it because I'm reaching a new generation. And throughout the pages of the book, my uh, terrier mix, Kona, who helps me in my pet first aid classes, got to have little running sidebars, uh, Kona yaps to the kids. And I think that's really important to reach our newest generation. The other uh, books I'm really proud of are called A Cat Behavior Answer Book and The Dog Behavior Answer Book. These are a Q&A format. And guess what? They came out like 12 years ago. They're still selling and my publisher is now having me revamp them all. So there'll be like 40 to 50% new content. So look for those in 2022. And everybody can check out ardenmore.com. But if you ask me, I think uh, reaching the kids with cat and a dog book were kind of highlights so far. That's fantastic. I might have to get autographed copies for my four-year-old. Be careful though, because you might be propagating a whole future generation of not only dog and cat owners, but future veterinarians or veterinary technicians. <laughs> so that's fantastic. I would love that because I got a letter in the mail from a kid who's a fourth grader named Adeline, and she was doing a, a school project and she picked me and uh, she interviewed me as her pet hero. I have that letter right here in my office with a drawing that she did of Kona. So talk about inspiration. And she wants to become a veterinarian. So I'm like, yeah, baby. Yeah, baby. So you might have an assistant in about 10 years or whatever. That's fantastic. And, you know, just looking at these on Amazon, I know you can go to artandmore.com for more information, but these are five-star reviews, hundreds of reviews on a kid's guide to cats and a kid's guide to dogs. So I'm definitely going to check those out too. So, so interesting. So let's talk about CPR, poisonings, things that are dangerous. I feel like I'm talking to the Pope of Peril. I mean, you know, all this stuff. My role is to be that life-saving bridge between the uh-oh and the veterinary clinic. And that's my role. So I do not play a veterinarian on TV. I'm not a veterinarian, but I soak up good knowledge from veterinarians. And I'm trying to reach our audience because I think as an ER critical care veterinarian, you know, if the person knows what to do in those first few minutes and safely get the pet to the vet clinic, that could be a matter of life or death, right? Totally agree. The hardest thing is, you know, a lot of people appropriately freak out when they see their dog or cat eat something poisonous. And that's the most important time to calm down, yeah. be prepared, and uh, just have everything all planned out. That's funny because I tell people, everybody here, you get permission to freak out later. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> but for the sake of your pet, you want to calm down. And I'll say my one takeaway is always first thing, pre-program your cell phone or your smartphone with your veterinarian, 
your emergency veterinarian and the ASPCA animal poison control phone number, because as soon as something happens, you don't have time to look it up. You want to just dial it right away. Same thing with your GPS. God forbid something happens to your pet. You're not home. You want someone just to be able to plug that information right away to get your dog or cat to life-saving help. So I think that's really important. Yeah. And we tell them also, the other thing is I teach, I think the mental game, and maybe you can talk about this a little bit, but the mental game when uh uh-oh happens, I think is as paramount as your hand skills because you know, they read our body language. I'm a fear-free certified professional. I've done all the levels of training. I speak for them. And I'm telling you, it's a game changer when you get people to be in the right mindset and know that they can freak out later and be a pet detective for now, right? Absolutely. So why don't you jump in and tell me what questions you have about springtime poisons that we need to keep our pets safe from? Well, we kind of teased everybody with the stargazer lilies, which is a big deal around Easter time. And you're the one that can really explain that cats have such a unique physiology and what we think is nothing bad can really be deadly to our cats. So let's go to the cats first. Let's talk about some spring flowers that you can give some cautions about. Sure. And, you know, I'm going to say, if you only listen or learn one thing from this radio show, it's no Easter lilies or any kind of lilies in the household if you have cats. Dogs are okay. But, you know, I hate getting hit for advice on Facebook, but I will reach out to people when I see them post pictures of Easter lilies and say, hey, those are deadly to cats. You can't have those in your house. And they're like, oh, it's it's out of reach. It's not a big deal. He can't get into that room. I can't tell you. There are times when we have four to six cats in the emergency room around Easter weekend. And that's just because they are so deadly. Two to three leaves can cause life-threatening kidney failure. In fact, even if your cat walks by the vase, drinks the water out of the vase, gets a little bit of pollen on their fur and grooms it off, they can die of kidney failure. See, that's something I thank you for sharing. I mean, one time I had to go to Alabama to teach a bunch of pet sitters in pet first aid, and it was in a church fellowship hall. Dr. Justine, I walk in and there's all these beautiful linen tables on a cold concrete floor, glass vases, (laughs) Easter lilies. I'm walking in with my cat, pet safety cat, Casey, and my dog at the time, Chipper, and I had to make that a teaching moment because what if that glass broke and it broke and there's glass on their paws and the stamen, the yellow powder from the Easter lily. So we took a group photo and we carefully got all the danger out of the way. And so it was a great way to start a class, but I walked in with, uh uh-oh. Well, the good thing is you had free props there, right? And you know <laughs> yeah. that that makes me cringe. You know, when I go to church for Easter, people can, you know, pay and bring back the Easter lily home and it really makes me nervous. Again, if you are not a botanist, uh, you're not a florist, no big deal. But you have to be able to recognize Lilium or Hemorrhalis species if you're a cat owner. There was actually a study that was done by ASPCA Animal Poison Control Center and University of Illinois. It's over 10 years old, but what this study found was that 60% of cat owners out there, or about 50 to 60% of cat owners out there, they did not know the lily was poisonous until they noticed that their cat ate it and then vomited it back up. And again, my own sister's cat died of this of oh my kidney gosh. failure in, in New York City. And that was a kitten that I gave her. So I'm really passionate about educating pet owners about it. So absolutely no lilies. No, 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 no. Exactly. Yeah, that's why in our house, we have fake plants and fake candles. It doesn't sound really exciting, but it's safe. 
And uh, we have cats, as you know, that cats don't just stay on the floor. They're like, I'm up here. <laughs> I'm up high. I want to explore. Oh, I think I'm thirsty. So thank you. I mean, I wish we could wave a magic wand. I wish the florist and other places would get in the habit of asking a person before selling them a product. Hey, do you happen to have any cats or dogs or are you giving this to a friend that might have pets? If I could wave a wand, that would be a wish I would like granted. I agree. I actually joke that florists, you know, they use lilies because they're really, really inexpensive. They have a beautiful, huge bloom. And these are usually blooms that are four to five inches, but they also use the greens and these flowers smell really good. They're beautiful. They come in multiple colors. And again, that's the number one reason why they're the top flower used in a florist bouquet. And when my husband buys flowers, which isn't often, but that's okay. Oh, he, does, on, man, man <laughs> he does often call and say, you know, we have cats, we can't have any lilies. And there have been a few times when we'll still get the bouquet and it still has a lily in oh, it really? and the greens. Wow. So you have to be able to recognize the greens too. So please be careful. Well, I know there's other springtime perils. I'm laughing because we're recording the show when we're getting hit by a snowstorm in Dallas, over six inches, the temps are not even above five degrees which is very unusual, obviously, for Texas. But I know spring is on its way. So let's talk about the nosy dogs with uh, bees and wasps because they're checking everything out with their nose, right? Sure. Well, I'm based out of Minnesota and we were negative 14 this morning and we like to think spring is coming, but we know we still have at least two to three months left. So, (laughs) But that said, once the frozen tundra melts, I will say we definitely want to be careful about spring plants that are outside And, you know, when in doubt, go to the ASPCA Animal Poison Control's website. They have a great webpage on poisonous plants. But I'm going to tell you as a toxicologist, a lot of the information is extrapolated from large animals. So like cows and horses that chronically graze on it. So I joke, you know, that website is very robust. It's amazing. But it overhypes certain dangers. It almost makes catnip sound poisonous. So when in doubt, you know, call for life-saving advice. I will say there are few plants that are deadly to dogs. In cats, it's definitely lilies. But in dogs, one of them's right in your area, Arden. In Texas, it's sago palm. Oh, yeah. Sago palm is a deadly one. It causes liver failure. Another one that grows all throughout North America is the Amanita mushroom. And keep in mind, Amanitas are deadly. And, you know, we all know if it's a red mushroom, it's usually poisonous. But Amanita also comes as white mushrooms that look like button mushrooms that you get in a grocery store. So never let your dog or cat eat a mushroom. Um, You know, honestly, a lot of the spring flowers like tulips or hyacinths or, you know, daffodils, they're not a big deal. It's actually the bulb or the onion skin wrapping of the bulb that is more poisonous. So if you bring a bouquet in, sure, that's probably the safest one, as long as it doesn't have any lilies. The greens, the flowers, they might cause a little bit of vomiting, but it's the bulbs that can get stuck in a dog's stomach, and they cause more perfuse vomiting, diarrhea, and even a racing heart rate. So thankfully, most spring poisons aren't too, too bad. The dangerous plants that we worry about, again, lilies and cats, sago palm and mushrooms and dogs and the rare, rare blue green algae, which is more in the summer and fall. But we'll talk about that in a future episode that we record uh, once the weather warms up. Well, you know what? I love sago palms. I lived in uh, California for many years and I moved to Texas and I got married and there was a discussion in the household. Hey, why don't we get some sago palms out front? And I go, no, 
Yes, yeah. Arden Moore, head health and safety coach, has Sago Palms for her dogs. I don't think I want to be on the news at 11. So uh, I had to do a little educating, which is just fine. But go ahead, throw out some more questions, I guess. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, don't feel badly because my backyard, the previous owner planted a bunch of Japanese yew. And that's also poisonous. But thankfully, dogs and cats rarely chew on that stuff. It comes with, you know, these juicy red berries. But I will tell you, one or two pounds of even the dried needles that fall off can kill a thousand pound horse or cow. Um, So they can be dangerous, but don't worry, I have poisonous plants around. I just, it's okay. (laughs) Hey, I like the fact that you've got the name Vet Girl, and I wanted to know how you came up with that. And uh, I want to make sure that everybody goes to drjustinelee.com after the show. But I mean, all you have to do is Google Justine Lee DVM and wow, a big opening comes. You've done a lot and you're still doing a lot. So I'm just curious how you came up with that moniker. Sure. So Thank you so much for that uh, that information, first of all. So I created Vet Girl, which is an online continuing education platform. It's really designed for veterinarians and veterinary nurses or veterinary technicians to teach them. And the reason why I named it that is because I'm an avid listener to podcasts. And so I actually named it similar to one of my favorite podcasts, which is called Grammar Girl. Oh, yeah. Uh, which yeah. is a five to 10 minute podcast about, you know, effect versus effect, when to use a semicolon versus the colon. And being that veterinary medicine is 60 to 90% female right now, um, I just felt like it was a good fit. So I will admit in in the veterinary world, I'm known as vet girl. (laughs) You don't sound like vet boy. So that's good. (laughs) Hey, we talked a little bit about plants, but everybody with pets now, they think what's good for the human is good for the pet. And so there are a lot that are thinking, well, I need to boost their energy or pump up their immune system or their coat. And people are flocking to pet supplements. And you know, you're a toxicologist and a critical care ER vet. So is there some words of caution or advice you could help when they're looking around for what might be a good fit for their dog or cat? Yeah, that is such a good question. That's a whole nother episode. But the short version is, please know that most things that you put in your mouth that are drugs, or that could have a true effect that are systemically absorbed by your body are regulated, at least in the United States by the FDA um, or the USDA for food. And that's to make sure that it's safe. The key thing to keep in mind with supplements is they are not regulated by the FDA because they can't have a necessarily a claim. Um, so for example, I'm going to take amoxicillin. I know it has a claim that it's going to treat this type of bacterial infection. That is not true with supplements. So you have to be really careful. While there are some general manufacturing standards that need to be met, there's no regulations when it comes to supplements. So you do have to be very careful. Okay. My number one rule is when in doubt, I want a product that's honestly sourced within the United States or North America, because we traditionally have higher standards when it comes to FDA or regulation or things like that. And again, supplements are not regulated, so you do have to be very careful. I will also say you always want to check with your veterinarian. I take certain supplements. My pets take certain supplements. But one of the mistakes that I see is that a lot of pet owners will go to a pet store and buy X, Y, and Z supplement. You always want to check with your veterinarian. When in doubt, always call the ASPCA Animal Poison Control Center to verify because some of them can be more dangerous than others. And they may be misused. Classic example, glucosamine. Now, I personally take it. 
My pets have always been on it. Um, but the key thing is a lot of pet owners will say, oh, my dog's, you know, starting to limp. He's 10. I'm going to start him on glucosamine from this pet store or whatever store. Yeah. The key thing to keep in mind is by that point, you're really just throwing away your money because glucosamine only works when your body has healthy cartilage. It's a cartilage protector. By the time a dog has severe osteoarthritis, they have no healthy cartilage. It's too late right? So you're not actually providing pain relief. You're not causing any harm, right? It's very, very benign, but you want to start this when your Labrador is four or five. You want to start it way earlier when your pet actually has healthy cartilage. That's a great- Yeah. So that's the biggest mistake I see. So check with your vet. All right. Thank you for that. The second thing is very rarely some of these glucosamine products, when a dog eats a whole container can cause liver failure with acute poisoning. And that's why I always say, pick one that's made in America and always call ASPCA if your dog got into the whole bag, because that can potentially be poisonous. Wow. And you have a dog, Milo. Is Milo, you said is on glucosamine? Yeah. So he's on glucosamine. He's also on a veterinary recommended CBD. And Arden, that's a whole nother podcast that we (laughs) should do together, right? Right. But how old is Milo? So Milo is, gosh, he's eight and it flew by. But I started him on CBD because there is some evidence with some veterinary prescription brands that two milligrams per kilogram can help alleviate the signs of osteoarthritis. It can also help with some anxiety. And um, there was some anxiety in my dog when my toddler uh, started walking. And so I will say that it definitely has helped some. Um, You do have to make sure you research this. Please be aware veterinarians cannot, in some states, cannot legally talk to you about it. Right. So you have to do your research. Um, But I will say there are definitely some brands that I recommend over others. And I will also say you always, always, always want to ask for a certificate of analysis. Oh, yes. I've been learning that. Yeah. Yeah. If a company can't provide it, then run the other way. Because sometimes they have impurities, they have pesticides, they have heavy metals, you may just be buying olive oil, right? So just Google FDA warning CBD, and you'll see at least a dozen companies that got in trouble for having products that had no CBD in there, some that had THC, the hallucinogenic product. Oh, great. I'm a high dog. Exactly. So you do really have to be careful. Yeah, that perfect. Thank you. Do you ever do anything to boost the energy in Milo or you just do exercise or what do you do? Any supplements for Milo or different foods that might be more good for the immune system? Yeah, I actually don't. I will say he is Australian Shepherd Pitbull mix. And okay. so he doesn't need any more energy. <laughs> yeah, that's so, true. That's right. True. So my general rule is with dog ownership is making sure that you can commit to at least 30 minutes of exercise a day, whether or not that's two 15 minute walks. And I will say in Minnesota in the winter, I'm, I'm guilty of not meeting this rule sometimes when it's negative 12 out, but right. But there's indoor things you can do, yeah, right? For yeah. sure. All right. Well, thank you for that. All right. So I guess one other poisonous thing I wanted to refer to when it comes to springtime is gardening mulches and potentially some insects outside. Now in Minnesota, it's too cold, thankfully, for most venomous things to survive. Mm -hmm. But in the South and in different areas of the United States, we can definitely see some poisonous or venomous creatures out there. So depending on where you live, scorpions, rattlesnakes, even wasps or bees. And, you know, every single day in the ER vet, I'll see a dog that comes in with hives or swollen face from getting bitten. It is rarely 
acutely life-threatening unless it's massive bee sting. So one bite, honestly, generally isn't a big deal, but when in doubt, you always want to check with a vet uh, before you give any Benadryl or give any medication. Benadryl is, is totally fine to give, but we want to make sure it's the right dose. And some of these dogs may need steroids to help with anaphylactic reactions or, right. or any kind of allergic reaction. Well, in our pet first aid for you classes, we actually use gel cap acetaminophen and we have a safety pin that I have them taped to the box. And I say, hey, when you go for your regular physical with your dog or cat, ask your veterinarian what the dose would be. Put it in a marker right there. So if you're not home, somebody else is, if the pet is going through a bad reaction to bee or a wasting, and we just pop it and put it in. I call it, here's the medical term. You're going to laugh. Big tooth, little tooth, little tooth pocket. That's where <laughs> I tell people That's to great. drip in. And I just said, well, it's the big D. Diphenhydramine. Yes. Right. So I'm in Texas, Dallas. So I just tell people it's the big day. Yeah. So we recommend getting something Benadryl that contains only one ingredient. It's the big D. Diphenhydramine. Nothing else. Right. Good doctor. Yes. In fact, um, diphenhydramine or Benadryl, it basically is an antihistamine. So it's going to decrease that allergic reaction. And my general guideline is, you know, a small dog can get 25 milligrams, bigger dogs can get two to three tablets. But if you're worried it's a life-threatening reaction, just get to your vet instead, because we'll give it in the muscle where it's going to take effect sooner. But absolutely, it's Benadryl or diphenhydramine. It's very safe to give. But <laughs> Some of them are mixed with different ingredients, right? So you got to make sure it's not mixed with anything else because sometimes that can be an issue. Yeah. So that's why we call it the big D. My goal is not to be a veterinarian. And my goal is to give people something they can do in route to the vet. And uh, when a, I got to share with you, do you know how I teach chest compressions? <laughs> How's that? All right. I say the hand that does the pump is closest to the rump and the palm is the pump. <laughs> I love it. That's great. Because that's, that's great. where all the meaty muscles are yes. and all that. And we show people how to do the universal hand placement. But if you've got a kitty or you've got a barrel chested dog or other ones, we can move the hand different positions. But when people start chanting the hand that does the pump is closest to the rump, I see that they smile because yeah. you know it, doing CPR is scary. And so I'm trying to get them in the present moment. And we always teach that up front in our classes before we teach some of the other uh-ohs. Because I'm not kidding, Dr. Justine, when you see them doing it, then they can wrap a splint a leg and do all this other stuff in class. It seems like this is the big mountain, right? Teaching CPR. Absolutely. It's scary. So I know you probably won't do a rhyme, but I do a rhyme. <laughs> We also do things like when you have dogs or cats that are really cold, you don't want to rub because of frostbite. So you, you hug, don't rub. And then for dogs that are overheated, you know, you want to give them, uh, dip them in cool water, not ice cold, because in the words of Vanilla Ice, 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 not nice, baby. So <laughs> we, we teach people about the paws and how we don't want to shock the system by adding ice or peas, frozen peas to a, a dog that's hot. That's great. That's great. We'll be right back with Arden Moore right after these messages. 
a veterinarian, I want you to keep your dog as healthy and happy as possible. After all, our dogs reward us with fun, laughs, love, and a ton of affection. Well, what better way to reward your dog's loving companionship with Rockwell's Pets Pro Natural Dog Vitamins? These vitamins help provide a powerful fusion of amino acids, trace minerals, vitamins, digestive enzymes, aloe vera, and glucosamine, which helps support a healthy canine metabolism and promotes a strong immune system. Plus, they're 100% satisfaction guaranteed and produced in the United States. Help give your dog a healthy skin coat, healthy hips and joints, and immune support. For more information, go to rockwellpetspro.com. That's rockwellpetspro.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to ER Vet on Pet Life Radio. We've been so excited to speak with Arden Moore, who's the host on Pet Life Radio's show. Oh, behave. And so far, we've talked about the dangers that we see during the springtime. We've talked about the importance of pre-planning, whether or not that includes pre-planning your cell phone, your GPS, to taking a future pet aid or CPR course. So excited to be talking about how we can keep our pets safer. You're a brainiac with a great cause. I mean, toxicology, you got to spit out those big words and know what you're doing. But whatever got you into the field of toxicology, that's pretty amazing. So, you know, great question. I graduated from Cornell Vet School and I didn't even want to do toxicology at that time. I didn't want to do emergency critical care. So it's funny how, you know, life finds its way of what you end up doing. I ended up doing my internship, which was an additional year of training at the affiliated with the MSPCA in Boston at Angel Animal Medical Center. And we primarily saw emergency. And that's when I really fell in love with it. And it was because you become, you know, some people say you're a jack of all trades, master of none, but I'm going to say you're the master of emergency. So you never know what's going to come through the door from trauma to poisoning, to a gunshot wound, to, you know, a knife a wound to dog fights to, you know, organ failure. And so the unique thing about emergency is that we see the whole gamut of stuff. And interestingly enough, in human medicine, the field of toxicology or the certification in it is associated with emergency medicine. That's not the case in veterinary medicine. So I never thought I would be double boarded, but interestingly enough, (laughs) you know, it was actually the perfect fit in toxicology with emergency. And so I'm actually, I was the first emergency critical care specialist and double boarded toxicologist in the world. And it was just because it was such a unique fit and human medicine has been doing this forever. Folks, her name isn't Methuselah. This is a young woman who (laughs) is doing well. So that's actually amazing and sad. I wish more were like you. It sounds like it's a natural hand in hand. It is, you know, and again, it's because in the emergency room, probably the top 20% of cases that I see are poisoning cases. It's because dogs are getting into the garbage. They're getting into, you know, your backpack that has a pack of xylitol gum. They're getting into the pantry where there's chocolate chip cookies or, you know, baker's chocolate or things like that, or they're outside. So they're digging into mulch, they're eating fertilizer, they're eating mushrooms. And that's because poisons are around everywhere. And so if I could leave two tips for your listeners, it's really one, secure your backpack or your suitcase. 
So elevate it so it's out of reach or purse. The second thing is make sure to store your human medications in a totally different area from your veterinary medications in an elevated surface or a cabinet. If you have guests who are coming and they throw all their vitamins into a, you know, a plastic zipper bag and then throw it in the suitcase. Well, that stuff smells weird. So (laughs) they're going to chew into it. Right. And then those weekly pill holders that have the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, what medications you should take. Well, we all know as pet owners, that sounds like a dog plastic rattle, right? Of course it's so curious. So they want to chew into that. So keep that way out of reach in a elevated, a surface near your plates or somewhere where your pet can't get into. I really love that because uh, I have uh, friends that are ER veterinarians and they say, we don't want to be the vet that has a guest bring in sugar-free chewing gum and my lab gets into it. So they're all, the first thing they do, their, their friends know it. They have to get their purses out of paws reach and safely and zip them up because it also smells like that pet person. And so that's also an attraction. But I understand with xylitol, it's really bad with dogs, but there's been some studies about it's not so bad with cats. Not that we want cats to chew gum, but this points again to the different physiologies in our dog and cats, right? For sure. Great point. So dogs, xylitol can cause a life-threateningly low blood sugar and then liver failure, but they've done studies in cats. It is not poisonous to cats. It's a, it's not poisonous to humans. So thankfully, cats don't typically gorge on products. Like they're not going to chew gum. They're not going to eat, you know, 20 grapes the way a dog would. But again, lilies, super dangerous to cats, not dangerous at all to dogs or humans. Sago palm, that'll kill everyone. Humans, dogs, cats. You know, so, <laughs> so some poisons are non-discriminatory. But wow. yeah, you absolutely have to be careful because there's a lot of species variation. That sounds amazing. What would be something you want to do? What's your challenge for 2021? We're still in COVID. You're working the ER. It's scary times. A lot of people can't come into the, you know, to the clinics because of COVID uh, concerns. What's happening? What do you see is happening in 2021? My personal goal is mental health because 2020 was rough, right? Yeah, it was right. hard to um, be at home constantly in Minnesota during the winter, it's really hard when everything shuts down and it's negative 12, you can't go outside to get exercise. So that's been really hard. So just mental health for, you know, my family, uh, for my friends and colleagues, I will say one of my goals for 2021 is more pet owner education, which is why what you do Arden is so amazing. I was so depressed when I heard, and this will be a second podcast. We'll have to do this you know, another time we're going to come back together. No problem. But there was a large study that was done, I believe by Merck animal health and chewy. And it was how so many people adopted pets during the pandemic, right? Cause they were home all the time. They could, it was a perfect time to do so. But what depressed me, and I'm sure will depress you Arden is over 60% said they were considering surrendering their pet after the pandemic. And you and I both know Pet ownership is ideally a lifetime situation. And, you know, in some circumstances, you do have to surrender them. Um, And sometimes they get a better home because of that. But like, it's not something that we want to go into. So I really want to help educate pet owners on what you can do. A lot of people weren't prepared for the cost of pet ownership. They don't know about pet insurance. They don't know how to crate train. They weren't able to do dog obedience because of COVID. And so now I'm worried we're going to see a lot of separation anxiety, a lot of behavioral issues. And I think it could be a really rough year for pets. So really just aligning to make sure that pet owners are educated. We'll definitely keep that in the forefront. I actually adopted a a dog during the pandemic, a little nine pounder. And uh, 
was young, wandering the streets with no collar, no microchip at my veterinarian checked. And we think we realized why she was high for heartworm. And it's a very expensive, very lengthy, very careful, so you don't raise their energy levels. And I'm happy to say that Emma, my Gemma, rocks it now. She's completely healthy, but it was a long process. And maybe she was let go because of the cost. And, you know, there's people losing jobs. So we don't want this to be a downer. We just want to be at a little sure. awareness. And I always say, uh, if you get a pet, it's going to, that dog or cat, he or she's going to last longer than your car, maybe your relationship, maybe where you live. So you really got to select with a purpose. And I do have a furry Brady Bunch, but they're all loved and they're all cared for and they interact really well. I take my role as a pet parent very seriously. Great information. And if I could just end the, the uh, show with just one word of advice, my general rule, and I don't mean this like pretentiously at all, is when in doubt, take the advice that your vet does for their own pets. Your vet is going to make sure that their own family four-legged members are taken care of. They're on preventative medicine. Right. They get an annual exam. As they age, they get a biannual exam to make sure that they're healthy. You know, once your pet is over eight, 10, 12, I actually stopped doing the vaccines except for rabies by state law. And I splurged on blood work instead because I want to yeah. make sure my pet is healthy. So when in doubt, just ask your vet, what do you do for your own dog or your own cat? And that's one of the safest ways to keep your pet healthy. I love that. We have two seniors. Mikey's 15, a black cat, and Bujo is our Bernese Mountain Dog mix, who is nine. And yeah, we do the blood work. And it's amazing what you can find, and it's money well spent. Well, Arden, thank you so much for being on today's show. I can't wait to do future shows with you. This is the start of a beautiful relationship. <laughs> Thanks. I hope people will go to Pet First Aid for You, the number four in the U. And we are teaching our classes now live, interactive via Zoom, and they get two-year certificates. We've even had students as far as Egypt pop in. And the one good thing in this crappy time of COVID is I can't have you bring your pets to an in-person class for many, many reasons, but I am teaching you with your pet right next to you during these classes. And so we've had a lot of good uh, hands-on demos. That's fantastic. And you have a bigger reach because more people can do it via Zoom, which is fantastic. Right. Now, if you haven't already checked out one of Arden's gazillion books out there, <laughs> please make sure to check that out at her website at ardenmore.com. You can find all her books listed there and also on Amazon. If you already love them, please make sure to provide an Amazon review too. I know she'll totally appreciate that. And as you know, there are a ton of different shows on Pet Life Radio. So, so excited to be able to finally meet Arden. Make sure to check out her show, Oh Behave, on Pet Life Radio. With that, I just wanted to thank her again for being on our show. It was my honor. Thank you so much, Dr. Justine. Of course. We'll have to do another one. You can find me on drjustinelee.com, on Facebook or Instagram at drjustinelee, or email me your pet questions at drjustine at petliferadio.com. With that, we're out of time, and we want to thank Arden again and Mark Winter, our producer, for making this show possible. See you at the next episode. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.